Harris on episode one of the podcast today. Super excited to have you guys here. We got Drewby Wilson and Brad Newman. I, I can't even introduce you guys as well as you can, so I'm just going to go ahead. Drewby, would you mind telling the world who it is you are and what it is you do? Dang, Rob. First, let me uh, say thank you for inviting me on the first episode of the Sales Truth Podcast. Very excited, very grateful to be here. Uh, so yeah, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Drewby Wilson. I am the vice president here at Break Free Academy. I work closely with Ryan Stuman in his Apex Mastermind and Coaching Consulting Group. Uh, I've also created a couple of digital products. I run uh, the Closer Memes course. So if you guys like memes and you want to use memes in your business, in your sales process to close more deals, uh, there's a couple memes that I can trace back specifically to well over seven figures in sales. And uh, I also have a personal brand that I've created called Crushing the day. Uh, and it's all about motivating and inspiring others to get up early and crush the day before it crushes them. Sexy. I love that, dude. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Has anyone told you that that hat works perfectly with that beard? Uh, you're a first, but I'm going to take it. I like it. I feel like I'm missing one because Brad, you also have a hat with your beard. Yeah, it's the it's the beard hat combo. It's the repackaging to upsell to make sure that with every beard comes an exclusive hat. My God. Now I see why you're also crushing seven figures. Would you mind telling us, let the world know, Brad. So who are you and what do you do? Yeah, cool. So thanks for having me on, Rob. Nice to meet you, Drewby. This is the first time we're meeting. Um, and my human name is Brad Newman. Uh, and how I got my start in all this sales game was uh, I'm in recovery from drug addiction. And I got my start through that process of being a trained interventionalist during drug overdoses. And so what would happen is uh, as a trained interventionalist, I would get calls like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. from hospitals. And I would be tasked with going down to the emergency room for this person who overdosed from drugs, was brought back to life. Um, and I was tasked with advocating for them to make a new decision towards rehab and a new choice versus going back on the streets and, and essentially dying. It was in New Jersey, the opioid epidemic was really, really, really bad. Um, and so I didn't know it at the time, but what I was like studying uh, and in the world of was influence. I was literally influencing someone uh, to give up the thing that they were literally willing to die for 30 minutes ago to make a new choice to rehab. And I heard all the objections. I didn't know there were objections. I heard the, all the objections of like, I've been through this rehab, it doesn't work. I don't have the money, I don't have the insurance. What about my family? What about work and all the things? And I guess what I learned from there is like I wasn't losing that deal because that deal was like life. And so that's like where I got my start. And then I came into the online space. I got hooked up with some awesome online marketers, guys like Scott Alford, Sam Ovens. I sold to them for a bunch of years, did millions of dollars. Um, yeah, and I kind of just stumbled into sales. And since then I've done million dollar days at virtual live events. I've consulted with sales teams and grew them to multiple six figures. Um, I've done phone sales myself. I do lead generation. And now what I'm up to is like creating a force of like sales athletes, like professional sales athletes where uh, they have full control over their income. They have full control over their calendar. They can get on any products or any in, in any companies to make sure that they can make a sustainable and profitable and multiple, multiple six figure career. So that's where that's where I am today. Damn, dude, that is that is heavy, man. I know, I know. You said you wanted this podcast to be fun, but that's the background. 
God damn, man, we all end up crying. No, dude, that's pretty powerful stuff, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, that's what I love. And guys, just so you know, this podcast, like, this is about just getting, this is all sales guys. Like, this podcast is just going to be some bad ass sales pros just on here, just talking about, like, our points of views on certain topics, which I got some questions for you guys today. I'd love to hear your answers, but um, that's what it's about. So you guys are going to hear from people actually in the game, selling, doing the damn thing, right? And what it's actually like in the trenches. And we're all in different industries. Um, maybe not completely, but you know, we're all selling different stuff. So it's going to make it crazy fun. Um, but yeah, if you guys don't know me, I'm Rob Quinn. So yeah, also do sales. Um, so you can find me on any place that you found me here on this podcast. Uh, and by the way, I'm gonna let you guys know, just listen until the end. Um, I want you guys to be able to find Brad and Drewby. So we're gonna get into that at the very end. Uh, so this way you guys go get more value from them at the end of this. Um, but cool guys. So yeah, I just wanna go over some really popular sales, some controversial sales topics that I'm sure everyone's been wondering, especially during this crazy time of the you know, the, the pandemic, right? Depending on when you guys are watching this podcast. Um, God, some, just some stuff I've been hearing. Has sales really become more difficult or are you guys still crushing as well? Um, honestly, for us, we have increased our numbers. Uh, we do a lot of coaching for online, you know, lead generation. And, and basically we don't do it for them. We teach them how to set the systems and processes up. So with everybody having to move to an online space, we've seen our numbers drastically rising uh, because there's so many folks who were stuck in that old mindset of like, no, we're, it, you know, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. We don't need to be online. We've got plenty of walk-in traffic and referrals. And, and you know, unfortunately, uh, when everybody got locked down, all of that stopped. And so we, we had the pleasure of, of twofold, right? So one, everybody that was giving the excuse of, oh, I don't have time to learn that suddenly had more time than they knew what to do with. And then also realizing like, hey, if I don't go online, my business is literally going to get shut down. You know, think about like Pure One Imports. They got bought out by uh, Ty, Lopez. Ty Lopez, right? And, and all of a sudden now they're an e-commerce brand. Like that, that's been a huge shift this year, you know, with all of the changes. And so we've been very blessed and, and, you know, we're grateful for the opportunity to work with a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs that we're kind of stuck in that old mindset uh, to help them come into the 21st century. What is it? 21st century, 22nd. I don't even know, but like that we've seen the numbers going up drastically and it's, it's been awesome to see so many people who have jumped in and taken action and been able to make a huge change in their life because of it. Yeah, I would agree with that, Drewby. Um, I've, when the pandemic hit back in March, uh, I launched a, a group program called Commissions Bootcamp. Um, and the reason I launched it was I, like in this space, at least, like everything was shut down. Like literally millions of salespeople started to come into this space from the outside space. Um, and what I saw, especially in my, in, my, uh, in my world, was that like the people who grew was one, they had the best sales skills, but they, the most important thing that I saw was that they actually had like a personal brand. Was like, they had a trustworthy personal brand. Um, and any of those companies that have been branded well, that have created trust in the marketplace, uh, that have like awesome reputation, awesome results, I found are the ones that grew. 
the people who, especially the salespeople who didn't have a personal brand, like they are just not well known. You couldn't decipher the difference between that one sales rep and that one sales rep, like really, 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 really suffered. Um, and so I saw a bit of both, like companies that were well positioned, that had resources, that had flexibility in their teams, were really were well positioned to innovate and capitalize on it. Um, and a bunch of companies that I've consulted with, like actually grew from that. Um, but on the opposite, I saw a bunch of people kind of like the fort, like a, a fire forest. Like it, this is like what happened in the economy. Like it, everything fucking burnt down because uh, they didn't have these like in-person jobs, especially like real estate. That was like hard hit. And then all these people came into the online space looking for opportunity, looking for a sales gig, but they couldn't find it. And the reason I thought that they couldn't find it was like they didn't have a personal brand. No one, no one knew who they were. And so I think there's like, this is like when things break down, it's such a beautiful, what I've seen is such a beautiful lesson to understand how to make sure this shit never happens again for your income, for your family, for your pipeline, for your offer. And uh, people who had personal brand were the best well positioned. Like Ryan, I did staple, like solid in the marketplace. Even Rob Quinn, man, you're like solid, staple, able to grow. Um, that would be my like, one piece of advice, if, if anyone's listening, if like, you don't have a personal brand, uh, you need to get one. You need to be known, you need to be recognizable for people to want to pick up your call, if that makes sense. That's the, like my biggest lesson learned after I seen this like whole COVID thing go down. I well, think you're hundred percent right, man. If, if, and that's something we talk about a lot too, is people don't buy from companies and logos, they buy from people. You have to have that no like, and trust factor built long before you have a sales conversation and uh, that personal brand, especially like in the real estate example, right? Like nobody's like, hey, I'm gonna call Keller Williams and buy a house. They're like, hey, let me call John over at Keller Williams because I know he's gonna take care of me because I've been watching him. I've seen what he's done for others. That personal brand is a game changer. Uh, and this year was a clear example of that. I, I would like to also say like, I love that you differentiated personal brand and trust and how like it's building trust in the market. It's not just making sure that you like, you look good. And it's not, I think people confuse what a personal brand is for. It's not just for influence, like to look like an influence, you do create influence, but it's trust. You gotta be able to inject that trust into the brand. Like you're rock solid, like you said. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, when I, I just did a coaching call for like 30 people last week and they all, everyone had the money objections and, and all the things. And we did just a, a like a word game of like the, when I say sales, what type of person do you think of? I say sales. Everyone said fucking car sales, 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 like icky, pushy, like car sales. And so like, if that's the world <laughs> that salespeople are stepping into, if they turn, uh, change this, like choose this career, th there needs to be something that differentiates you so that people will actually pay attention to you and not be, not drop down into this car sales world where automatically you're going to get an objection because you're not differentiating yourself. Dude, there has never, yeah, there's never been, I mean, in, in the time I've been alive, you know, 28 years old in the time of this episode, and I have never seen a better time to be a great salesperson. Like to develop the skill set on to communicate with people. Like it's just amazing time to be alive and to learn this skill. Can we also say that there's a difference between sales takers and order takers though? 
A oh salesperson actually yeah. has a conversation and builds rapport and understands the problem for a client or a prospect and then provides an accurate solution. Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, I'm in sales, but really they just answer the phone and take orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to be that way, but there, there's a huge difference. No, guys. be that person, Drewby. <laughs> preach the shit, man. Like, I would like to add to that too. How there's a big difference between sales, sales pros and order takers. I would also like to add that in there. It's like anybody can get on the phone and sell for like a brand, right? And then just take credit cards. I feel like it takes a pro to be like, oh, I need to go out and get my own lead. Oh, they're not quite ready yet. I need to put them in the CRM. Oh, they got other people hitting them up. Okay, I better check in and send them some information that they like. Oh, they're ready to get started, but they don't have enough money yet. Well, how could I position it to get them that money? Oh, oh, you got friends like you? Oh, I'm trying to get those friends, you know, in here too. Like, let's invite them to the party. It's like, I'm talking about sales pros, you know, not order takers. There's a huge difference when you approach a conversation wanting to give value long before you're going to ask for any sort of monetary exchange. Like when you can go into a conversation saying, hey, let me ask you a couple questions to make sure this is a good fit. Because there's a lot of guys out there that are just like, I can sell anybody. Well, you know what? You shouldn't just sell everybody. Like you shouldn't sell everyone that has a credit card and a pulse. You should be saying, hey, who can I actually help? Who is the person that I want to be helping? What is their problem? What is it that keeps them up at night? And what is the solution that my company, my brand, my product, my service that can actually be provided to them that's going to put them in a better position? And like you said, there's a lot of times where, oh, I don't have the money yet or I'm not ready. No problem. I totally understand. Like, what is it that you need that we can provide for you now, whether it's free content or a blog or a podcast like this that can help you get to that next level? Because ultimately my job as a sales pro uh, is to make sure that you have everything you need to be successful. And there's just far too many people out there that are like, just close the deal, close the deal, close the deal. Like, that's not the way to go about it. No. Yeah, I Drewby, I'm 100% on that. And what this makes me think of is someone that I trained under for a long time was Jeremy Miner. Um, and uh, he, he developed his mes- uh, this sales methodology, NEPQ, Neuro Emotional Persuasion Questioning. But he has a main framework uh, of how he does sales. He's literally done million dollar years in W2 commissions nine years in a row. Uh, he was in the, he was in the, like, he was in the loan brokerage space from 2006 to like 2000 and uh, like uh, 12 or 13. And he just crushed through all those years. Um, and the main method out, like the main framework he came from when he was interacting with people, because a lot of it was cold was, is there a sale to like, he's like asking questions to see if there's a sale to be made in the first place. And so like, when I hear people like, I could sell snow to an Eskimo or, you know, like I can, I can sell sand to like someone lost in the desert. I'm like, that's a bad sale because that's <laughs> not even a sale to be made. They're not going to actually even benefit. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of people to become and reposition them as like a trusted advisor to see if there's a sale to be made. Cause it's, cause if there's not a sale to be made, if they they don't need the product, they don't have the pain point, they don't have the problem then I'm not going to force or push a close. But if I see that there's a sale to be made, that they're in solution, that they're in the market, that they bought similar products to solve the same problem, but they haven't solved it yet. And understanding what they think was the difference 
between that product versus what they're doing now and what they could use in the future. I'm going to force a, I'm going to force a sale if there's a sale to be made. And I think it's just being able to understand that little nuance of, is there a sale to be made here? And if there is, when is it now or is it in the future? And that's how like I've been able to establish my brand. I'm not the best at one call closes. I'll just be like Frank with that. I'm not dude, the best. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. No, dude, I was just, I would agree with you. I feel like this one call close stigma, you said so many things there, man, that, you know, this, this podcast is going to be nasty because of things like you guys are saying here. And it's like, you're right, man. A lot of people think that for like, I don't want to be hard closed, but it's like, if it's right for you and you know, this is what you need, you do want to be hard closed. You know, I remember this time at the gym and this is why I am so excited to hear y'all's stories because like when you have that, that many at bats, you guys will put up the numbers you have, you're going to hear the best stories. And I just remember being at the gym and I just, I'm going to be honest, like I hard closed the shit out of this guy. And uh, he came downstairs later on and he's like, dude, I'm so glad you hard closed me. And that's what he said because he knew what I was doing because these are sophisticated buyers. I'm selling 73 to like $300 per month gym memberships. And this dude is like, you know what? Like, it's funny because I don't have the time or the energy to be here, but I won't have the time or the energy unless I'm here. And he's like, so I'm glad you did that. And I was like, that's stuck with me forever. So I think this also kind of goes into the, like, people are always like, what's the best sales script? What's the best talk path? Well, the best talk path, the best sales script are the questions that you're asking your prospect. Like you shouldn't have to talk them into a sale. You should be asking them questions and making them feel comfortable making a buying decision, you know? And sometimes you got to ask the hard questions. That's, that's different than like hard closing someone. And you're asking, Hey, how long are you going to keep beating your head against the wall waiting for it to fall down? Yeah. Consequence questions. Facts. So I've got another question for you guys. All right. Because we're all selling virtually. You know what I'm saying? We can't go to people's homes right now because of the time that we're in. So everybody wants to know, I'm sure. Is it easier to sell deals over the phone with or without pants? Everybody wants to know. How do you know I'm not wearing pants right now? I knew you'd be the one to answer the question, Brad. I knew you would. <laughs> that's, that's the real question. I mean, so honestly, and this is going to sound crazy, but I do 80% of my deals in the DMs and in messages. I hardly ever get on the phone and close deals anymore. I, I've worked myself into being like, I, let me just handle this right here. And I think this is one of the most powerful questions for salespeople right now, especially with everyone being as busy as they are and as crazy as things are. I like to go into every conversation with, hey, I'm so happy to connect with you. Would you prefer to chat on the phone or in messages? I'm good either way. You let me know what you prefer. Because so often sales guys are like, hey, let's book a call. Let's book a call. Well, guess what? I'm busy. I don't have time to get on the phone and hear your 45-minute shtick. Like, just get to the point. Let's talk through text messages. And as a sales guy, I can have four or five different conversations going on at once, closing four or five deals versus sitting on the phone and being like, yep, yep. And listening and rant like that. I, I personally, I prefer to close in the DMs and in the messages. So, you know, if I'm on the phone, pants, no pants, that's a, inconsequential. So I think Drewby's answer is he's butt-ass naked because he's doing that's, Facebook messages. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, Maybe. I, I think it's so interesting where the world is heading in terms of like 
how sales are conducted and what people feel comfortable with. Because uh, Juby, I've had the same experience during COVID. I sold in, in a, I did a couple launches for my own business. I sold 90 units uh, in my 60 days and 99% of them were inside of Messenger. 99% of them were inside of Messenger. The only people that I got on the phone with was like two people uh, because I wanted them to be higher end clients. And I, and I thought a higher touch would be more appropriate. Um, but what does that like mean for anyone who's listening of like, what did I actually do on, like on, the, on the front end in order to get to that point? Because not everyone can just like do that. Everyone here is like, oh, Messenger closes. Uh, I wanna do that, I just wanna close for Messenger. It goes for me, it goes back to the same point of like, well, if you don't have a personal brand, you're not creating value in the marketplace before the sales call, don't even try it. Don't even try it. You're just going to blow it, dude, or mm -hmm. down. You're just going to blow it. So like, I think, so I, from 2017 to 2019, I was a, I was a phone warrior. I, I had four to eight, 45 minute strategy sessions on my calendar for 18 months straight. I had one vacation of 10 days and I was just taking, I was just taking calls. I was new. I was frequent. Um, and I mastered that skill up to the point where everything else would be 1%. Everything was like, it was to the point where I was effective enough to get quotas, to get revenue targets. But the one skill, and this is like uh, the one skill that I actually learned and that I'm like in the process of mastering now that is, I find helps that sales call even more is copywriting. Like conversion copywriting has been a skill, a sales skill that I've decided to leverage and double down on in addition to my phone skills to make the sale even easier. Cause it's all influence and communication with words. It's just the mode of communication. What do you guys think about that? Copywriting as sales people. All day, all day. It's the most underrated skills uh, at this point, because like, here's the thing you can get on a phone and have fancy, you know, talk paths and scripts and where the, the true professionalism comes out with copywriting is your ability to get the tonality and the body language across in the same fashion, because that's what like really what phone sales is all about, right? Tonality, body language, especially like moving and voice inflection and all of that kind of stuff. When you can have that same sort of effectiveness with your copywriting and the way that you approach a conversation, whether it's a text message, a DM, email sequences, like if you can get the tonality across and you can make it sound like a free flowing conversation versus like a scripted, like copy and paste sales message, your, your closing rates are going to go through the roof. Your pro like your amount per sale is going to go way, way up because again, it's people yeah. see that they read it, they hear it in your voice in their own mind. And that's a absolute game changer. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Copywriting was like, I can trace that back to when I started focusing on my copywriting my numbers drastically increased. I would, I would add to that too. Just uh, first of all, I 1000% agree with both of you. I feel like that's 1000% true. I would add in there, if you could put it in words and you're copywriting, right? Then that shows that you do truly understand your buyer and you do truly understand what you're talking about because it has to be like so understandable from both parties. I feel like that you have the ultimate understanding. Yeah, I think the I think what copywriting and creating content allows me to practice is brevity. Mm. Meaning like how simple and most effectively can I state benefits and problem solved 
to yeah. get people to take action. Yes, absolutely. And that, that translates back into your sales conversations, right? Some people have these long drawn out sales scripts, like, Hey, if you can say it in 25 words, you can say it in 10 to cut out all the fluff, get to the point. Like maybe you got to change a few words, but like, you don't have to say a 25 minute sales stick. You can literally get in there. All right, cool. Here's what we need to do. Boom, 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 boom. Is this what you're looking for? Do you feel that would be a good fit for you? Yes. Amazing. Here's the next step. Cool. People prefer brevity. Like I said, we're all busy, especially when you're selling with entrepreneurs and business owners and, and especially like CEOs and executives. These guys don't have 45 minutes to listen to you ramble on about things. They want to say, get, get to the beat. The, what is it? Like get to the meat of the bones. Like I don't need to fool around with all the other stuff. Like just, just give me what I need. Tell me, can you help me solve my problem? And let's get down to business. Dude. Yeah. And we could go into a whole nother, a whole nother episode of podcasts on just like types of buyers as well, like how to communicate with them. But, uh, you know, you bring up a good point, dude, because we're all so busy all the time. There's a saying in sales, right? Coffees for closers. So do you guys, I would love to hear your opinion. Do you believe, yeah, that caffeine actually does increase efficiency and make you a better sales rep? Yes. uh i think there's a fine line personally i think it's a huge tie between your personal fitness and your peak performance right so you see the 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 sales guys that are overweight and and they're no low energy well if you're low energy in person you're low energy on the phone you're low energy in your conversations you know again for me i've gone through like this huge personal development journey over the last couple of years and there there's a correlation between when i started focusing on my health and fitness my ability to stay energized throughout the afternoon. So here's, I've kind of given up on the coffee and the caffeine a little bit. I still take some nootropics that have a little bit in there, but like the most guys they are like, I'm going to get in and have three Red Bulls in the morning. And at two o'clock they're done. Like they have no energy left. They're going into sales calls. Like I need another Red Bull, but me, I'm it's two o'clock. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm fired up. I'm like, I can go all day. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because you don't have to rely on that crutch as much to get into that mode. So you got to find other ways to hype yourself up outside of just drinking caffeine and espresso, because here's the thing, it's got a half-life. And the more you drink, the more you got to keep drinking to get back into that mode. So I think if you can find a way to limit your caffeine to like me, I have it, it's always before noon, never afternoon, because then I want to go to bed at night at eight, nine o'clock when I go to bed, because I'm an old man and I go to bed early. Uh, I want to know I'm getting a good night's sleep and I'm not all jittery and like wired throughout the night. Uh, and I know everybody's a little bit different, but you have to find ways to f- get that energy that doesn't require you to keep stacking more on top of more on top of more. That's why people go cocaine crazy when they get lots of money because they start doing a little and then they got to do a lot more to get there. And, and it's the same thing like in, in all of it. So I, I think personally energy begets energy. So when you get out and you work hard and you get that adrenaline pumping and your dopamine naturally flowing, you get a lot more out of it than just chugging down coffee and Red Bull. So that's why I can't wait to hear. And Brad, I want to hear your response too, because this is a great example of breaking the cliche, breaking the myths of the cliche of a salesperson. Because a lot of people think, oh, as a salesperson, he's got to have a bunch of unhealthy habits such as, and that's one of them. Everybody thinks that they got to be drinking a lot of coffee, doing cocaine, like all these other unhealthy habits, but like the top performers in sales really don't. I think the Wolf of Wall Street kind of ruined that, created that cliche. But Brad, what about you, dude? Bunch of coffee or not? 
I mean, I love coffee. <laughs> I, I fucking love coffee, but my the coffee isn't the the foundation of my energy work. I'm making sure my like that I can generate energy in untapped amounts. Like I'm, I've trained myself through the years of like I can take eight to ten sales calls back to back to back to back, have a little break. Um, and I had to figure out rituals in between the moments of five to 15 minutes before I'm transitioning to come back into body, come back into focus to re-energize. So like some things that I do, no matter what, I've set my whole house up to be like a biohacking uh, like paradise. I have a red light, red light therapy in my room for wind up, wind down, making sure that I'm getting those good UVAs, making sure my glasses are are like I'm treating my eyes, my eyes healthy because I'm looking at the screen all day. I have a cold plunge in my backyard that's probably around like 44 or 45 degrees consistently. Um, and that is like the ultimate shock therapy, get to your edge uh, and like get back into your body because what's we're, sales is very heady. It's all like thinking, it's all talking. And so how do I constantly get back in my body? I have a sauna in my garage where I'm sweating on the daily. I meditate, I live by the beach. Um, I have vegan and organic food all around me. So I have like all these habits set up that I had to like stumble through to figure out like, these are the things I need to do because what Drewby was saying, like I was burning the fuck out after like two or three sprints of one hours after these like 45 minute sessions, I'd be done. My close rate was no more effective the more calls that I took. And so I was like, man, this is, it's a lot of embodiment work. I do a ton of breath work all the time. And so I've like piecemealed these like embodiment energy habits so that I can constantly generate energy and certainty like on command. And so because of that, I cheers to my coffee because <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking work so hard. I deserve this. <laughs> Dude, yeah, the, the habits, the consistency in your habits, that's what I'm hearing from both you guys. And I can tell it in your voice. You know what I mean? Like the confidence and belief you have in it. And I believe it is that consistency. Like if my morning routine is all jacked up, like my day's jacked up. I don't know about you guys. But. 100%. 100%. 100. I, and I think you guys could relate to this. Is like the re, like I, I branded like my movement as like sales athletes. Because the like being a professional salesperson, the top professional salespeople treat themselves through like what I saw, like because I trained under Eli Wilde, the top person of Tony Robbins sales. I trained under Jeremy Miner. And these guys are like top guys in, in my world. They trained like they were like LeBron James, dude. They had all these different types of coaches, all their nutrition was dialed in. Their calendar, like everything was dialed. They had a coach for everything, a system for everything. And they treated themselves as, as if they were being paid millions to be able to show up to this thing like a professional athlete would. And so I just started taking like hints from that of, oh, maybe I'm like, I always wanted to be a professional baseball player. And if I was Cal Ripken Jr., what would Cal Ripken Jr.'s training regimen look like? What would his diet look like? What would his sleep regimen look like? Because sales is the only job and only role in the universe that you don't need to ask for a uh, you don't need to ask for a raise. You just get better, and you make more. And so, yeah, that's kind of like how I've taken it on. 
I think that kind of comes back to, like you said, though, these guys were training like they were in the position that they wanted to be in, not just training for what they were in, right? So like the professional athletes, they train as hard as they possibly can because they want to get to that level. You can't get to that level without kind of that same commitment to excellency and to greatness. And, you know, I, I'm like you, if I, if my routine gets thrown off, it's real easy to throw the whole day off. But that, that kind of comes back to, you know, I'm not a robot, but I live like a robot. Every day I get up at 4.15, I drink a giant glass of water, I go downstairs, I write down five things I'm grateful for, I make my morning motivational post, and then I go do an hour ride on my bicycle or do some sort of hour of cardio, come home, I use that adrenaline and that, you know, energy level to make some more content. Then usually, like lately, I've been doing this program 75 Hard by Andy Frisella, if you guys are familiar. Uh, so I'm doing another hour walk after that with my family so I can make sure I get family time. And there's all of these key components to the level of success that I'm on, which is minuscule in comparison to where I know I'm going to be. But I'm, I'm focusing on the now, thinking about what it's going to lead me to in the future. And it all comes back to sticking to that same routine, living by the calendar, having these things in my life every single day that energize me. Because at some point, there is going to be a shift. There's going to be a point where I'm like, it's like the hockey stick, right? You're kind of cruising along, cruising along. All of a sudden, you're like, boom, game time. And I'm going to be prepared for it. Well, what I like about what both of you guys said there, and because there's going to be a lot of different sales people will listen to this podcast from like all industries, right? And, you know, I've sold in multiple industries. And what I loved about what both of you just said is, Brad, you mentioned pro, like being a sales pro. And there's pros already. There's a lot of pros, but there's only, there's very few pros that like take it to the next level, the untouchables, the Michael Jordans, the LeBrons, right? Or, and Drewby, you mentioned the commitment to excellence, right? So this is driving you to the next level because I feel like there's going to be a lot of sales pros listening to this and they're going to feel like, well, I'm already at the top where I'm at. And the biggest problem I feel like I ran into were, and this is something I had to grow out of as a sales, you know, um, elite salesmanship is like to not put those smoke screens on myself. Cause I remember when I was selling a lifetime and there were 600 sales reps and I was always top 10 and I would always lead our region in sales of six states. And I used to think I was the shit cause I was 22 youngest guy there making 75 grand a year beating out all these other people. So I thought I had it figured out, but I was like drinking every night, spending all my money on suits and, and freaking alcohol. Right. And, it was, and yeah, I got a bunch of presidents clubs there and everything, but like, what a smokescreen. I, I kind of wonder what it would have been like if I did what you guys were saying. And I hope people listening to this take heed to that, to not be blinded by your own smokescreen just because you're the top of where you're at doesn't mean you've reached your truest potential and they're probably stunting their own growth. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. I think what you said there, Rob is like, if anyone who's listening, uh, we all develop big egos. You kind of, you know, a big ego to be a top performer winner is I think a necessity to be able to like be in the, be on the court, be in the game as long as possible. You got to have a strong ego, a strong elf, uh, a strong self will, like a, a positive self-talk, like the best self-talk about who you are and what you're capable of. Like the thing that I say to myself is I can be who I will be always, I can be who I will be. And I think Rob, that what you said is, I remember I got, I was working in corporate and uh, for Penske truck rental. 
just like, I was just selling rental trucks. I was just closing people like crazy on rental trucks. And I was working myself through the ladder pretty quickly back in like 2013, um, for, like one of the faster promotions. And the, the district manager came to me and said, he's like, with a stoic ass face, he's like, congratulations, don't ever rest on your laurels. And I was like, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, he's like, what? I was like, what does that mean? He's like, be happy and be confident, be proud of yourself that you made it here, but you will never make it to your highest potential. But that's not the point. The point is in the process of who you become towards your highest potential. So if there's any sales reps out here who are listening to this, who are at the top of the game, at the top of the company, like we all were, like, yes, is the top of the company your highest potential though? And what would happen and what would life be like if you were accessing your highest potential? What would the world be? So I think that's a really good point, Rob, that you had there. Fire. Fire. Yeah, we talk to the team all the time, like the sales team. And we're like, just because you have a quota does not mean that's what you set your number as. The quota is the number for the company expectation. That doesn't, that's not your truest potential. So don't let the quota be what you need to hit. Understand the quota is for the company, not for you. So, dude, that's fire, bro. I think one thing that like really resonated with me in that same kind of train of thought is uh, I listen to a lot of like YouTube motivation and, and podcasts and stuff in the morning. And there's a Tony Robbins session where he talks about he was uh, working with Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. And Michael Jordan, you know, they're like, well, how do you do so well? And he's like, because when I step on the court, they're, they're trying to beat me. And I'm, I'm trying to beat me. So like if, if I'm playing to myself and, and I'm playing against me and they're trying to beat me, I'm trying to beat the best version of myself. There's no way they're ever going to beat Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan's playing against the best oh, Michael Jordan there God. is. And it's like, what, I mean, what more do you need to hear? And, and one thing that I can say from experience is when you're a top performer, uh, and Rob, you kind of touched on this, you do get that, that ego and that smoke screen of like, well, you know, nobody can touch me guess what, when you're a top performer and you're acting like someone who's playing against a better version of themselves, the people who matter, the people who can give you the opportunity that you're looking for or, or wanting in life that you may not even realize is there yet, they're watching that. So if you're a top performer and you're just hitting to your quota and maybe 10% over and you're kind of like sandbagging it, uh, the people that could give you the opportunity to become a multimillionaire or you know a huge, huge earner, they see that you're letting off the gas. Like I got my spot here at Break Free Academy because I was working full-time as a top performer selling insurance. And then after hours, I was going into these Facebook groups and helping other people use the software and learn how to become better performers and to use this shit to be better for themselves. And Ryan calls me one day and he's like, hey bro, uh, I see what you're doing in my groups. I really like it. How about I start paying you to keep doing what you're doing for free? Cool. Okay, cool. So I do that for a month. I keep helping people. He calls me back. He says, dude, you're in the wrong fucking industry. Like you're, you're in the wrong game. You come work with me. I'm going to change your life. And then we're going to change the life of thousands of people. So like, I would have never had that opportunity if I'd have just been like, Hey, I'm a top performer. I'm cool. And, and just doing what I could do. And, and, you know, just letting that smoke from get in my way. I was like forwardly thinking, not even realizing that I'm going above and beyond. And the people that are watching me, I don't know. You never know who's watching you and, and waiting to give you the opportunity that you're earning because you have to earn opportunity. It's just not given to you. Like it shows up when you deserve it. Oh, facts, bro. 
dude, that's put that on a fucking t-shirt. It shows up when you deserve it. Yeah, bingo. That's the, what do you guys think the number one value of uh, a top performer is? To have them or in a top performer? In a top performer. I always say there's three things that make a great top performer. Confidence, empathy, and resourcefulness. Ooh, resourcefulness is, is phenomenal. Um, I think a big part of it is their ambition. Um, in my personal opinion, because like ambition dictates what you believe you have to do in a day. So it's like, if you have a really like massive ambition, you're never going to be content with the level of action you're taking. You can only get more intentional with the action. And I would say like ambition, like to be able to see that can't really teach ambition. You know, I don't know. For me, I, I look at that as a major value in people. Yeah, it's solid. I, I think we're all around the same, same value. What I see is like being obsessed with growth. Mm. Like, yes. Obsessed with growth. Because uh, I find any times that I've dipped in performance or I've leveled out, um, I've stopped pushing myself to that sales edge that edge of growth, that like, that ego death of what I think is possible. Um, and like all the monsters, the internal monsters that come up, like wanting, to, wanting the growth so bad, because we know that we're, we're infinite potential to be willing to go into those monsters in my mind all the time and break through them. Like I'm being obsessed with growth, measurable growth, um, to see just like what the fuck I'm capable of and who I can impact on the way. And that's what I see. That's what I see with you guys. Like fundamentally, it's like the growth um, is just so fundamental in a core way. Not like, oh yeah, I like, I like growth. I want to see my income grow. And you're like, man, you're, you're not associated to that. That's not your real value. Your real value is comfort, man. Like you're, you're lying, you know? Yes, dude, I would. Oh shit. I, I would, if I could have two, I would say the ability to normalize. Like that's something new I had to come into in, in business. It's like the ability to normalize faster has just changed it all. And it's like the first month we broke, you know, six figures in a month in collective revenue. It was in the past. It was like, all right, this needs to be the norm. Let's go. And like the team feeds on that. Like the people around you feed on what you're driving as normal. It's like people doing a million dollars a month in revenue. And, for, and if you're watching, listening to this, guys, or watching it or whatever, like the number could be a thousand a month. It could be 10,000 a month. It's like the whole concept of this is like the faster you normalize, the faster your actions become more intentional and in more like quantity. 100%. And I think that's one of those things that like a lot of sales uh, people go through is they're like, oh, I'm making a few thousand dollars a month. I'd really like to make six figures. And, and it's like, let's call it that $10,000 a month mark, right? That's always the number that digital marketers use and, and people use, right? You want to make 10K a month because that's a six figures. Well, let me tell you, first of all, 10K a month ain't shit. Like, <laughs> I can tell you from experience, I was making four grand a month. Uh, the first time I made 10K, I'm like, well, that's cool. But fuck, I'm still broke. Like, yep. 10K ain't shit. So now I'm pushing like, all right, how do I get to 50? How do I get to 100? Because I know as soon as I get there, I'm still going to realize that it's not that much. Like when you start playing on another level, the, the, the numbers are just numbers. 
you, you start playing for impact. You start playing for like, how are you changing the world around you? How are you bringing value to the, the group and the people that you're surrounded with? Because the money is a byproduct of the impact that you're leaving. Well, and the people you surround yourself with. Like I see, I see y'all's circle. And like, I know we can all tell stories about this, but the more you make, the more your circle changes and levels up. And then you're just like, whoa, I guess I'm not as far ahead as I thought. It's all an illusion. Ruby, I dude, what you said right there is like the the jumps from 10k, 20k, 50k, 100k. I I had that realization at one point because in my first sales gig, I was like I was comfortably riding at like seven, eight reoccurring per month to start based on my reoccurring commissions and stuff, and then I would get a thousand dollars a deal uh, on a 10k program, and I sold like 10 to 15 of those my first gig um and i was doing one-to-one and there was something that i don't know where i learned this but like i had a realization of like how do i just make the money that i make in three months in three days because like what does that what could that look like uh because i know for me i suffer from a lot of like uh sales monsters call reluctance apathy, uh, a lack of follow through anxiety. This, these things are always there, but I've primed my life and myself to be able to break through and it just hits these edges. So I'm like, if I'm gonna be uncomfortable, if I'm gonna be anxious, if I'm gonna be scared, whether I'm doing one-on-one -on -one calls uh, or something else, why don't I just like try to reach my goals uh, in a quantum leap and just solve different problems. And so that's when I started to take on like, how can I start putting on like, virtual live events or live events where I can just sell 50 people in three days versus 50 people in three months. And so it's just all new problems, but I'm spending the same amount of time and the same amount of energy doing it. And that's how I started to normalize of like, how can I just solve this problem in three days? How unreasonable would I need to be? And what could this look like? And who would need to be involved in this? And then I've done it. Just because I've asked myself open opening questions. So yeah, Juby, I think your point right on is like one, 10K ain't shit, especially if it's personal income, because you're gonna be paying 35% in personal income tax. Oh god. And then you got rent, and then you got food, and you got insurance, and then you got car, and then and then you know everyone's got a sales training through Rob or through Ryan that they're paying on a monthly basis. So you gotta make sure you pay that. And then you gotta take your wife out, so you're broke. You're back at zero. And so how do we just quantum leap using the skills that we're, we're already at? And just, yeah, I think you really, really hit on a point there, man. And the other thing you can think about is like this, like people say, hey, I wanna make six figures, but that's a lot of money. Well, yeah, it, it can be, but it, it's, what's the, the numbers? Like, hey, I wanna make a million a year. That's a huge number. But if you say, hey, if I only gotta make 3000 bucks a day, like right. what can I do to make 3000 bucks today? What can mm -hmm. I make 3000 bucks tomorrow? All of a sudden you look up at the end of the year, you've got your million. But when you're looking at the million, it's huge. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm never going to get there. But if you're like, hey, I can do 3K a day. That's easy. Shit, I might do 10K in a day. I might do 50K in a day. That gets me ahead several days. So reverse engineer that number, whatever that number is that you're wanting to get to, whether it's a sales goal or an income goal, just reverse engineer it. What do I got to do on a per day basis? Because you're just going to go into each day with that mindset of like, hey, I know if I can get through today and knock this out, and I can stay consistent with that, that number is going to be easy. And what you end up finding is that 
you end up going way, way past that, that goal, that number, because you're focused on the small things instead of the huge, you know, you eat a whale one bite at a time, right? Isn't that the same, something like that? Yeah, dude, I, I would add to that too, man, because outside of reverse engineering, like your actions to hit the goal, which I, don't, I also don't believe that a lot of sales pros are, are doing that as often as they could. Um, that's a huge, if you guys take anything from this, that's, that would be huge. Um, I would also look into spending habits. I know when I first started making some money, especially when I was young, uh, well, we're all still kind of young, but like when we were younger, uh, cause we're all still in our twenties, everyone's in their twenties, Juby, you're thirties, 33, brother, I'm 30. 30, bro. You're the young and Rob. Oh shit. Oh dude. You guys look young, bro. <laughs> it, oh, Weird, it, it makes us look better. That's hey, okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, one of the, one of the habits I had was not only spending because I had it and I could spend it and I was putting it in the wrong places, but more so I was spending it to impress people that didn't matter. Mm. And I feel Thank like you. as a salesperson, cause the majority of amazing sales reps and it's not all of them, but I noticed a lot of them I talked to come from, um, broken backgrounds, um, a lot of great sales yeah. reps. So yeah, yeah. We almost had this like chip on our shoulder and need to do that for validation. One thing that Ryan instilled in me real early on when I came in, cause he's like, dude, you're going to be a multimillionaire. I'll make sure of it. If you do the work, you will be a multimillionaire and I'm well on my way. Uh, but he was like, never work for the same dollar twice. Like don't earn it and then spend it. He's like, if you're going to earn it, put it to work for you, make that money work for you. He's like, you may not have it now, but if you put it to work, think about what that money looks like 10 years from now. And I'm not telling you to invest in stocks or whatever, like do whatever you want with your money. But if you put that money to work instead of just spending it and having to work for more, yeah, that can be a driving factor. Like, Oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll just go and sell some more. Like, yeah, you can do that. But why set yourself in that position of being under the gun all the time? Why not put in the hard work consistently and then take the, the rewards from that and put it back to work for you and let it work on the side? Because that's how you create true wealth and legacy is by taking that extra income that you're making that you don't need to spend on shit yeah, you know, reward yourself, take, take 10% of what you make and have fun with it, but then take 20% and invest it into things that work for you because that's how you create long-term wealth. And that's how you buy back your time in the future. Everybody's like in the now and they're like, Hey, I'm going to have this and have that. Well, guess what? At some point you're going to have to stop selling. You're not going to be able to operate at the level you're operating on now. So why not buy back some of that time by putting your money to work for you now? Mm. Solid. That's and good. I think something that like a tactic that has worked for me in terms of that, of like setting a money aside for the future is that when I was first trying to do it, I was just like, I knew I needed to invest. I knew I needed to save, but for some reason I just wasn't. Uh, and then back in 2018, I owed uh, like eight grand in back taxes. And like, I needed to have it at like a certain time. And I fucking had that money within 48 hours. And I'm like, okay, there's something here that I needed. Like what I need is like a, a projection an end target with a time frame, um, and zero way out of me generating that money. And so like, now what I do is like, I need a thousand dollars to invest and save. Uh, and then I put some sort of leverage on myself, uh, in order to make sure I can generate it as fast as possible. Because I, for some reason, I need that end outcome of like, that's what I'm going towards. I cut everything else out and like, boom, that's $1,000 for my future. And then I invest it and put it away. 
And I, boom, that's $500 for my future. Boom, that's another $1,000 for my future. Um, that's solid. But, but like that back tax thing, I remember fucked me up. But it also showed me how when, <laughs> when the boats are burned and having the skill of sales and an end target with a time frame, Tony Robbins always says, people who are on the brink of dying tend to thrive. If you're going to like break down or thrive, we tend to thrive. And so, yeah, that's like something that needed to happen for me. It was humbling and I'm, I'm fucking grateful for it. Dude, not enough people talk about that shit. It's like, you know, Kevin Hart with, on, with uh, Grant Cardone talked about that in his first year where they didn't teach him about taxes. You know, that crushed me in year one because I didn't understand it. And uh, I wish there was more people talking about. Now we've got, you know, younger guys in the finance space talking about taxes and, and everything. Um, shout out to Adam Rundle for just cleaning that shit up for me, by the way. Uh, but yeah, dude, year one was a freaking, because we made, I mean, I've never seen that kind of money before in year one. And uh, didn't put any of it away. Just freaking balled out, just champagne mansion parties, just popping bottles and, uh, regret nothing, but also at the same time. <laughs> but at the same time, don't make the same mistake, guys. No lessons, you not losses, my man. Lessons, not losses. Yes. Put that on t-shirt too. But for real though, entrepreneurs, if you're listening and watching this, put some fucking money aside for taxes. You mm -hmm. will get wet. smashed. You think, oh, I'm making a lot of money. It's cool. Well, guess what? You need to take at minimum 25% of every single paycheck and put it into taxes. I hate having to be the one to tell you that, but I'm going to be the one to tell you that because, uh, you know, when you get that tax bill for 20 grand, it hurts real bad. Oh, now, I'm grateful for that, you know, hey, thinking, shit, I got to pay 20 grand in taxes. I'm grateful for that because that means my income is like badass. But at the same time, you got, you got to pay your man. They're they, they going to get their piece one way or another. So you might as well just let them have it up front because it's pay now or pay later. But if you have to pay later, it's like three times as much. And you don't mess with the IRS. You don't mess with the IRS. So, yo, this has been a fire episode, guys. I love that we had you guys on episode one. Um, this is super hot. And is there any, like, last words that you guys would leave the listeners with? Um, if I was going to leave them with any last words, I would say, uh, and it's kind of like why it's my tagline, crush the day before it crushes you, right? Don't, don't go into the day thinking that you're, you got all these problems, like get up, get after it, do the hard work first, because once you've done all the hard shit, everything else is easy. So crush the day before it crushes you. Mm. Solid. I love that. Yeah, I would, I would say my last words are what I've learned for myself is sales has been a path of awakening for me of like who I am uh, and what kind of bullshit conditionings I've been instilled with over the years. Um, and it's just shown me the parts of myself that I truly fucking hated and me, my ability to be in relationship with that and transform that has been the, the biggest blessing. So I would say for people to lean into your sales edge, meaning it's not like the edge that makes you the best, it's the edge of like when you're at what you think is your glass ceiling or your upper limit. Like if you're able to get in relationship with that and understand your fucking monsters and how they sound, 
and you can break through, the fucking sky's the limit. Anything's possible. Mm. Dude, I love that, man. Yeah, so guys, this has been freaking great. Um, we would love for, uh, I would love for everybody to go see more of you guys, you know? If you guys want to see what else uh, Drewby and Brad got going on. So Drewby, where can people find you, man? So I am on Facebook, uh, Drewby Rides, Facebook and Instagram. You can also check out my uh, personal brand, crushingthedaycom I've got a podcast going. I've got some cool swag and things like that. And uh, I've actually got a book that's in the works. So that'll be coming out here before too long. Uh, and it's all about, you know, like I said, crushing the day, how to be successful in life and business and, and really, you know, just how to serve others in such a way that will create success in your own life. Because that's what it all comes back to, how you can serve the people around you. Uh, you know, that's, that's my goal in life is to help as many people find success with the rising, uh, raising, rising tide raises all boats, right? So the more people I can help be successful, I know my life will be extremely successful. So yeah, crushing the day, check me out. Drewby rides, Facebook, Instagram, uh, connect with drewby.com has a link to all of my shit. So you can go and find it. And uh, I'd love to connect with anybody who's listening or watching and, you know, see if I can't provide a little bit of value in your life and, and help you crush the day. Love that, dude. Yeah, go find him, guys. And Brad, what about you, man? Where can people, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm going to go find Drewby after this. Thanks for that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Brad Newman. I am not on Instagram. I had to take it down because I had a whole satirical profile called Sales Modeling, and it was just getting too inappropriate. I was doing bigger <laughs> deals. I was getting more naked as I'm going along. I Yo, so I, I died at that. It's, I couldn't even handle that Instagram, bro. Oh, my God, lost it. I, I, I've had my popular opinion to bring it back, but, you know, we, we shall see. So I'm on Facebook, Brad Newman, uh, my personal profile. You can follow me on uh, my personal profile, and I have a Facebook group called Successful Online Sales Pros, where I help you diversify your incomes. I help you fill up your calendars through your own lead gen efforts, and I help you make sure you get on the right products that actually um, – not that actually amplify you that is easy to sell for you biggest thing i see for salespeople is just opportunity hopping for money um and they don't sell but it's like when you get on the right offer with the right company with the right product that you're naturally passionate about and then you have sales skills behind it and a full calendar this is where i see people excel so i have a bunch of free trainings in there um, and people can join there successful online sales pros Dude, go! For, thanks for sharing that, man. Guys, go look these guys up. This podcast, Sales Truth, the Sales Truth podcast, is only the top, like the top elite talent that I have come to, to know and that I have seen just absolutely dominate in their space. So these are two of those guys. So go find them. Um, you definitely won't be sorry. And I appreciate everybody uh, joining us here today. We'll see you on episode two. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you having me. Later, guys. Thanks, guys.